The night is sponsored by Alexander Remmer to mark the recent Shaloshim of Moshe ben Mordechai Alava Shalom, Dr. Manny Mormon, a student of ours in the Web Yeshiva. Okay, I would like to uh, discuss uh, something about Yitro. Uh, Yitro is a very complex character, actually. When you think of the fact that he was not Jewish, that he had Moshe Rabbeinu as his son-in-law, that Sipora, his daughter, had his grandchildren, who are, of course, you know, part of Am Yisrael, that he came on his own to join up with Am Yisrael in some way or other. And finally, that he left. He didn't stay with them. He didn't go to Eretz Yisrael with the Jews. But for some, somehow he left. However, however, he left the family. His family remained part of Am Yisrael in one way or the other. I was not at all clear. What I'd like to talk about, what I'd like to talk about, or I'd like to look into the matter of why Yitro came to join the Jewish people on their trek to Har Sinai. How did he pick the time? How did he know when it was that he should come? So if we look at the Psukim, we look first uh, on one side, you have the Psukim and Rashi. So it says, Okay, the words are, I think, straightforward. There are no hard words in this pasuk. Yitro heard. He was a Kohen, a priest in Midian. And he was the father-in-law of Moshe. So that Yitro, Yitro himself in the Torah is, is given several uh, uh, titles. And those titles contradict each other. Uh, he starts out as being like a conflicted personality. He was Kohen Midian. That's one personality. He was Chotein, Chotein Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law, another, uh, 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 another personality. Then Vayishma Yitro could also be a personality, and he was interested in what was going on. He was especially interested because Moshe Rabbeinu and his had left the home of Yitro to do something, to follow God and to do something. And he says... So the pasuk says, "By Shmai Yitro, et Kol Asher Asalokim LeMoshe Uli Yisrael Amakol Kol Asher Asal." All the things that were done, Kiyotzi Hashem et Yisrael Vimitzray. Key, you know, the little words are always very hard to uh, to define. Key, I mean, since something happened, God took Yisrael out of Mitzrayim, but. Just because the Jews were out of Mitzrayim doesn't mean that this was clearly understandable to all. I mean, what had happened? What happened if you ask the person in the street in a city in Egypt, what happened? The answers would be very diverse. It's not at all clear what happened. I mean, the very fact that the Egyptians chased after the Jews after they left Mitzrayim is a reflection of the fact that they didn't know what had happened. 
Because had they known what had happened, they would never have done that. They would never have chased after the Jews. They would have never chased them to Yamsuf. This would have never happened. The reason that it happened, the reason that it happened was that they didn't know what happened. They didn't understand at all. So Vaishma Yitro means he heard, did he understand? So Rashi, Rashi who is a, is a great teacher in these kinds of critical moments, so Rashi says, Mashmu Asha What was it that determined for, um, what is it that determined for Yitro that he had to come? What happened? How do you differentiate Yitro from uh, What is it that differentiates Yitro from the, from the Mitzrim? The Mitzrim, the Egyptians led by Paro, did not understand what had happened. Right? They did not understand. Like a chef. So Rashi says, Rashi says, What understanding did he have that made him come? What, what the rumor? But it, you don't mean a rumor. You mean Havana, right? Comprehension. What was his comprehension? He said, uh, So this is a mystery. Because if you say that he heard about Kriyat Yamsuf, he Yitro heard about Kriyat Yamsuf. So I understand. Kriyat Yamsuf was a, a special moment. And that moment ended with Vayaminu Bashem of Moshe Abdo. And we spoke about what that might mean. But you know, you know that it's something important. It's something of, of religious importance. So if Yitro heard about Kriyat Yamsuf and he understood what B'nai Yisrael understood, and if Ayaminu Vashem of Moshe Abdo made sense to Yitro as well, we understand why he came. But what does that have to do with the Milchama of Amalek? The Milchama against Amalek was a sad moment in Jewish history, the first time they just left Mitzrayim and they were attacked for their religious beliefs, so to speak. And okay, they won, but they did not win completely. They were not able to wipe out the Amalekites who came up again and again in, uh, in uh, other times. So, you see, we don't know. We don't know what it was that Yitro heard that made him come to be part of the, the, the camp of the Jews. Then Rashi explains the word Yitro. And what does Rashi say? Rashi says, He had seven names. Is this important for us to know? I mean, like, you know, if Rashi hadn't said that, would we be different in any way? So why did Rashi say that? Then he goes on and tells us what the seven names are. Ru'el, Yeter, Yitro, V'chobah, V'chever, Keini, Putiel. Then Rashi says, these are the names. They appear in various places in the Tanakh. These are all the names of Yitro. What, what, what does it mean to say that a person has seven names? It doesn't mean that he had seven names at the same time. That if you wanted to talk like today, you know... Uh, uh, if, you know, no one can be called Sora or Rochel or Leah. You have to be called Sora Rochel Leah. 
So you have this problem, like you have to take a deep breath every time you turn to somebody. You don't have to call them by their name. But, but in those days, we don't know people like that in the Tanakh. There are no people like that who have more than one name. Okay, uh, I take it back. Uh, but no, hardly ever. Hardly ever. And when you have more than one name, it's usually uh, like, uh, like a, a, a clip-on. You know, it's like a, a name and you can add on a little name to it. But here, Yitro was Yitro. No, sometimes he was Reuel. No, sometimes he was something else. In other words, he was Rashi say he was not he was not a a uh, steady kind of personality. He wasn't a person who was always the same. He was a person who had different names at different times in his own life and history. And those names represent represent different aspects of him. He was a very complex person, but he wasn't only complex. Because as he grew older, Yitro, he retained the complexity instead of smoothing it out and becoming simpler. <coughs> now Rashi is prepared to explain to us one of those names. One of those seven names. And Rashi says, Yeter al Shem Sheyiter Parasha Achat Batorah. Why is he called Yeter? Why would they name Yeter? Because there was one extra parasha that came because of him, that came before because of uh, of Yitro, had to do with the Dayanim, and then right, again, Yeter, Yeter, Hashem Shiiter Parasha Achat Batorah. That's the parasha, and then Yitro lechashet nitgayer vekiyem hamitzvot when he went through conversion and did all of the mitzvot. Ot achat al He became Yitro. In other words, he had the same some same powers that he had before, but he was also a convert, <coughs> according to according to Rashi. Then the name Chovav Shechivei the Torah. V'Chovav Hu Yitro Shneimar Bebnei Chovav Chotein Moshe. There's a passage in Shoftim that says that Chovav was Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law. We only know about one such person. There are those who say Ruel was actually his father. Ruel Avishal Yitro Haya Umahu Omer. All of this is in the Sufri. So I want to turn your attention for a moment. For a moment, again. Chovav, who Yitro Shinemar, Mibne Chovav, Chotein Moshe. Uh, I'm sorry. Chovav, Shekibayvet Torah. You see, Yitro, the name Yitro, is a name that is connected to adding a parasha in the Torah. And Chovav is a name that is, that he's called because he loved the Torah. And in this parasha, right here in this parasha, there seems to be a competition between Moshe Rabbeinu and Yitro about who is the one who gave the Torah to B'nai Yisrael. 
Now you, you know, I always used to, I always used to wonder, I remember years giving a, giving a Shayur and Parashat Shabua. I always found it difficult to understand how the Parashat of Matan Torah, this Parashat, is called Yitro. Why isn't it, why is it called Yitro? So everybody knows that the names of the Parashiyot are kind of bequeathed in a technical manner. The first Pasuk in Breshit is Breshit Bara Elohim. So the first big word is Breshit, so the parasha is called Breshit. The next parasha, Eilat Oldot Noach. So the first important word is Noach. So the parasha is called Noach. Vayera, I love Hashem, it's called Vayera. So why is the parasha of Yitro called Yitro? Why is the parasha of Yitro called Yitro? Because the Pasuk says, Vayishma Yitro. And Yitro is the, like a pretty significant word in this, in this parasha. So you call it Yitro. But I said, but you didn't have to write the Pasuk that way. Because it, it would, it could have said, Vayishma Chotein Moshe. Yitro Kohen Midyan. You understand? In other words, if you just move the letter, the words around, then Moshe would be the most important word. And if Moshe is the most important word, Moshe is the most important word, so he would get the credit. He, Moshe Rabbeinu, who doesn't have a parsha in the Torah named after him, he would have this parsha named after him, and he's the one who brought the Torah to B'nai Israel. So how come? How come? <laughs> So either you like the question or you don't like the question. It doesn't matter. But you'll like the answer. <laughs> so you know, you know, Yitro came. Yitro came and he said to Moshe Rabbeinu, this is the parish, he said to Moshe Rabbeinu, this is no good. You're, you're, you're judging the people all day and all night. As the nation grows and the problems develop, you're just not going to be able to make it. You'll be out of commission in no time. In fact, Idra said, Nabol Tibol, you'll wither away on the tree. You'll become dried out and unable to function. And so Yitro is giving credit for saving the judicial process by saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, let's bring in some other, some other judges. Let's appoint others. Other judges. That's the story. So, I ask you, this, uh, this great idea that if Moshe Rabbeinu, in order to get Moshe Rabbeinu to work less, you should have more judges, you don't think Moshe Rabbeinu could have thought of that himself? I mean, this is not exactly what you call... Uh, rocket science. Yeah, rocket science. It's not rocket science. Right? If, you, if you're working ten hours a day, and you get another person, you can eat for five hours a day. This is something that Moshe Rabbeinu could have thought about on his own. So what was the idea? High, high achievers aren't always great delegators. Not always great? Delegators. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. But they, they would, certainly wouldn't have listened to Yitro. If he was a high achiever and a bad delegator. So who cares what Yitro has to say? So what was the issue? What was the issue between Moshe Rabbeinu and Yitro? That Yitro, which Yitro deserves a lot of credit. Yitro said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you're working too hard. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm a high achiever, I'll take care of it, right? And Yitro said, no, you're not going to take care of it. You can't do it. 
And Moshe Rabbeinu said, I have no choice. So Yitro said, why don't you have a choice? He says, because people come to me and they ask me shyness. <coughs> and why do they come to me? Because I will tell them what God wants of them. I have direct access to God in heaven. If I can hire, I can hire other people to work. And they might even be great scholars. But they're not going to have access to heaven, the access to heaven that I have. So Yitro said, you can't do it. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, I have to do it. And finally, Yitro convinced Moshe Rabbeinu, like saying to him, everybody dies. Everybody dies. Isn't it better to delegate authority while you're alive than to wait until you die and then everything will happen by itself in a positive or less positive manner? So Moshe Rabbeinu was convinced by Yitro that he should uh, uh, appoint judges, even though the judges would never achieve the level of understanding of penetrating analysis that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to achieve. And therefore, Yitro saved the Torah. Because had Moshe Rabbeinu not appointed judges, there's no way that the people would be able to accept upon themselves, you know, just anybody who happened to be around after Moshe Rabbeinu died. And so the whole enterprise, Chas V'Shalom, might have just dissipated and disappeared. So we call the parsha of the Torah, of Matan Torah, we call it Yitra. Because even though it is true that Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Torah from heaven to the people on earth, and that was something remarkable and noteworthy, it was Yitro who said that there can be a nation in history that is held onto the Torah in spite of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu will no longer be their leader. This was, this was a great chidush. This was a great novel idea because in the desert, in the desert, you know, people walked around for 38 years in the desert, but when they had a shayla, where they had any kind of a shayla, they went to Moshe Rabbeinu and they knew they got the perfect answer. It wasn't like today, where you go shopping for the answer that you're interested in sometimes. But, but in those days, in those days they had Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshe Rabbeinu knew what the answer was. So those are the seven names of Yitro. The important names of Yitro that Rashi stresses are Chovav, he loved the Torah. And Yitro, he, he added the parasha in the Torah. He was just as involved in Matan Torah as Moshe Rabbeinu. And I add to that that the parasha is named Yitro because he saved the Jewish people. There would not be a Jewish people without Yitro's innovation. So here we are. Memoshevi uh, Yisrael, you see the Rashi? Shakul Moshe Keneget Kol Yisrael. What does that mean? That must mean something, right? <laughs> that Moshe Rabbeinu, is, uh, his weight is equal to the weight of the entire Jewish people. That's why in the Pasuk, in the Pasuk, uh, so 
emphasizing again that, that Yitro is not simply somebody who happened to come along but is related to, to Moshe Rabbeinu Yitro Bai Lecha Bishtecha Ushnei Banecha Imah Vayetzei Moshe Lekrat Chotno Vayishdako Vayishaklo Vayishalu Ish Lerayehu Lishalom Vayavohu Vayavohu Oela Right? You know that word Oela? Oela It's a Pre, pre, anti. In other words, in in Hebrew, the accent is usually on the last syllable, and we call that milra. Sometimes the accent is on next to the last syllable, and that's called milel. Milra means down, and milel means up, right? Milel. But in in certain words, the accent is two from the end, not one from the end. It, in other words, milara means the last syllable, milael means next to the last syllable, and sometimes it's next to next to the last syllable. And so the accent in the word ola is just that ola, right? Interesting word. Such an interesting word. So pasuk zayin. Vayitzei Moshe lekrat chotno veishtachu veishatlo. He bowed down. He Moshe Rabbeinu bowed down. Veishatlo, and he kissed him. Veishalu ish leviel l'shalom. Veyavo haolah. Rashi. Vayitzei Moshe See the Rashi, the third wide line in the Rashi Vayitzei Moshe, kavod gadol Itkabed Yitro Bota Sha'ah Kevan sheyatsa Moshe Yatsa Aron Adav Aviu Umihu shira'at Eilu yotzim Velo yatsa So kavod gadol means everybody came it wasn't just Moshe Rabbeinu who came to to visit. Uh, the word kavod, you know the word kavod is an interesting word in Hebrew because it, it means something uh, uh, not so important and something glorious at the same time. Not so important is the kind of honor that people give each other. Right? Kavod, you know that you sit in the middle or you get a seat next to the Aaron Kodesh. That, well, that's called kavod. You call the president of the synagogue. Uh, that's called kavod. But the word kavod also means, in the Torah, the manifestation of God. Right? Kavod Hashem. There's some kind of manifestation. Of it. You just know God is there. You know that God is there. I mean, it's hard to try to explain. But, but that's what the word kavod means. Now, these two contradictory notions, kavod... Kavod Hashem, the presence of God, and Kavod that you bestow, people bestow on each other. Um, uh, the uh, the uh, Rav Nachman in a famous Torah that uh, 
Karat Yoshua, it's called. It's a famous Torah of, of Rav Nachman of Rastav. Rav Nachman agree, uh, uh, explains that these two ideas are not only different, but they're contradictory. You can't have both. You can't have both. If you want to be, if you want to sit in the in the middle on a big seat, then you're not going to get the other kind of kavod, the kavod Hashem, being close to God, because kavod is a matter of priorities. It's, really, it's like it, we always say that, or the uh, the epitaph for Moshe Rabbeinu was Anav Mikol Adam. He was the most humble of people. Uh, what does that mean? That he was humble. Uh, what it means is that a person who goes up to Har Sinai and gets the Torah directly communicating with God is not going to be so interested in where he sits in Shul. Right? That's it, it was you're, you're in a different space so you become Anav Mikol Adam you become the most humble person well that's what you see it looks like humility but it's not humility at all it's not a lack of understanding of your value or your worth what it is what it is rather that uh, uh, it's not what you're thinking about I mean you're not thinking about that kind of that kind of kavod and that kind of, of achievement. So here we have Vayitzei Moshe Kavod Gadol Nitkabed Yitro Votasha'a Kevan Shiyetza Moshe Yetza Aron Nadav Ve'aviu That's the other kind of kavod The less impressive kind Umihu Shira'at Elu Yotziv Lo Yetza So everybody came out he kissed him, he bowed down and he kissed him. She says, I don't know who bowed down. I mean, between Yitro and, and Moshe Rabbeinu, Ish is usually Moshe. That Ish right? One to the other, they bowed down. Well, Rashi says we don't know who bowed down first, so that means there's a parity again for the moment between Yitro and Moshe. They're like they're on the equal level. They're on, on an equal level in this uh, particular case. Okay. Pasuk Chet. Pasuk Chet. Moshe lechotno et kol Hashem uh, uh, I wanted to uh, here here it is Rashi Rashi has a, like a one man a, a, like, like very fixed on this idea that Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to bring him close to the Torah. He himself is coming close to the Torah on his own. Here. Just one second. Kol HaTova, Melech. Just one second. One second. Ve'esapem Moshe Lechotno. Et Kol HaTla'ah. Kol HaTla'ah means all of the, the difficulties that they went through, that B'nai Yisrael went through, She'alayam V'shel Amalek. So Rashi picks up the theme of Yishma Yitro. What did Yitro hear, according to Rashi? Kriyat Yamsuf and Melchemet Amalek. 
when Moshe Rabbeinu, it's like it could be seen as a contradiction, right? All of the difficulties. So Moshe Rabbeinu is explaining to Yitro, So if he came because of Shirat Hayam, uh, I'm sorry, Kriyat Yam but he came because of Milchemet Amalek, so why is it that Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu had to tell him about these things? I mean, maybe it's a disconnect of some sort that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know that he heard. That by Yishma Yitro is a posik about Yitro, but not about Moshe Rabbeinu. He was surprised when he when he when he showed up. So it's possible that uh, that the greatness that Yitro had was not recognized by uh, by Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Rashi goes on and says, uh, "Okay, pasuk tet. We have to pasuk tet, tet. Vayichav Yitro al kol tova asher asa." Hashem Yisrael Vayichad means he got nervous Yitro was, was kind of goosebumps Al All the good things Asher Hashem Yisrael Asher Hitzimomi Ad Mitzrayim That God saved the name Yisrael Mitzrayim Let's look at the Rashi Rashi uh, Rashi Vayichad Yitro, you see Pasuk Tet? Vayichad Yitro, Vayismach Yitro, Zeu Pshuto. Vayichad, it's like it's like a word that describes the happiness that you're going through, that Yitro is going through. Vayismach, Zeu Pshuto, who is happy to hear about all the miracles that took place and benefited Bnei Yisrael. Zeu Pshuto, Umedrasho. Wow, Medrasho, the non shot interpretation. He like he like felt little pain going through his his uh, his meat the meat on his body <coughs> he says medrashon asebisar shidudin shidudin meitzar al ibud mitzrayim he was unhappy about ibud mitzrayim about the fact that the Egyptians had been destroyed in this process that the Egyptians had been destroyed in this process so uh, What's the pshat? What's the pshat? He was happy. He was happy. I mean, it's always if somebody is happy, it's very often true that somebody else is not so happy. You know, it's like you know, if you have a disagreement and you go to court, there's a winner and a loser. The winners are happy and the losers are, are not happy. So this Rashi, this Rashi is a is a difficult Rashi. First of all. First of all, I would say, why, why would uh, Yitro be unhappy that the Egyptians had been defeated? I mean, what was there to be unhappy about? So it must be that uh, Yitro, who brought this universalist element into Am Yisrael, I mean, he was a man of the world. 
as Rashi says a little further on, he served every idolatry imaginable, which means that he was uh, able to think theologically about things. And he knew that the truth was not necessarily all in one corner, but that there was a variety of uh, lessons to be learned from different peoples, from different peoples in the world. This is not a political statement that I'm making now. I'm just trying to describe who, what a person who did every idolatry imaginable, what kind of person that might be. So that when uh, uh, the Pasuk says that he was happy, some people, there are people in the world who, who cannot be happy entirely if they understand that their happiness is connected to a tragedy. And the tragedy of the Egyptians, the tragedy of the Egyptians was, was as you know, that, that God appointed them his emissary to punish B'nai Yisrael through slavery. Right? Right? God appointed the Egyptians as his emissary to, uh, to punish B'nai Yisrael. Punish B'nai Yisrael. Now what happened was they became too enthusiastic about this charge that they had received. And the punishment that they gave to B'nai Yisrael was far in excess of what had to happen. And as a result of that, the Egyptians, starting from this time, disappeared from the world. There were no longer any, you know, after a while, there were no longer any Egyptians. So that if you see, if you see the, the creation of the world, if you see the creation, so what's a tragedy? I mean, what is a tragedy? I mean, tragedy is like happened to me, happened to you, happened to them, happened to... You know, but what's a real tragedy? A real tragedy is when God created one man and one woman. And everybody who is a descendant from them is part of the universe of creation. Right? That one man and one woman gave birth to all the peoples in the world. Now, because of something that happened, this one universe was split into many pieces. You remember Migdal Bavel? They wanted to build a tower. The tower would go up to heaven. And they would be able to conquer or have dominion or do something that was against the will of the Creator. So God divided them up into pieces. And the pieces, this piece they spoke Babylonian, and this piece, the piece they spoke Aramaic, and that piece they spoke Hungarian. And these pieces had a lot of difficulty getting together with each other, but it was not impossible, since they all came from the same, from the same place. But, uh, but the disappearance of the Egyptians, the punishment of the Egyptians in Yamsuf, that was the end of that story. It was the end of the story. So, so uh, uh, Yitro, who may have understood, who may have understood that the Torah is supposed to bring us back to a kind of universalistic uh, theory. This doesn't mean, if you look at the Rambam, at the end of Luchot Lachim, the Rambam says it clearly. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to be Shomer Mitzvot. It doesn't mean that everybody is going to eat only matzah on Pesach, everybody's going to shake a lulav on Sukkot, but everybody in the world 
will have a greater appreciation for and understanding of their relationship to God. That's what the Messianic era will produce. And uh, uh, according to the Rambam, according to the Rambam, this is an idea that that you could see in the Nevi'im, in the prophets who spoke about the end of days, and they speak about it in terms of awareness that suddenly everybody will understand. Everybody say that they're related to each other, and everybody will also understand that the Am Yisrael with the Torah having the Torah, holding on to the Torah has to accept a kind of leadership position in that world so that Yitziat Mitzrayim instead of producing two nations the Jews and the, the Israelim and the Egyptians who had this idea who were able to kind of think in those terms only Am Yisrael inherited the idea and the Egyptians disappeared and that was the cause of the uh, distress that Yitro had. He was happy that the Jewish people had succeeded, had come through this difficult time in their history. But he was not happy about the fact that the Egyptians had been destroyed or or done in and did not understand what God had intended them to understand. Okay? (coughs) So, there you have it. So, so having read having read Rashi, a lot of Rashi, we we are still left with the question of, let's say, Mechemet Amalek. What what did Mechemet Amalek do for uh, for uh, Yitro that the other Makot did not do? Why didn't he come after Kriat Yamsuf? We also saw this tremendous emphasis that Rashi places on the connection between Yitro and the Torah. Then I told you my little uh, drasha about uh, Yitro, uh, <coughs> Yitro being the name of the parasha of Matan Torah, which I thought always was a little bit was a little bit odd. So I want to learn some of the Shem Yishmuel. There's a Shem Yishmuel. Remember the Sachachavah, right? His father wrote uh, uh, wrote several svarim. Though he was a chassid. He was a Hasidic Rebbe. He wrote the Svarim that were very held in high regard in the Lithuanian world, right? The Egle Tal is a book that he wrote about the Lamatet Melachot of Shabbat, which is a basic, uh, people learn Dinei Shabbat or Chot Shabbat. It's a basic book, in spite of the fact that it was written by a, a real Hasid, right? So, the same Shmuel is his son, the son of the Sachajov, who was also a Rebbe, and he had the knack of writing, and, uh, and you know, when you don't have the knack of writing, you don't write. So the father had, like, the knack of thinking, but not the knack of writing, and the son, fortunately, had the knack of writing, and so he wrote the, the uh, serious Torah works that, that his father uh, produced, and then he also wrote a perush on Chumash, <coughs> right, called Shemi Shmuel, which uh, contains a lot of the ideas that his father told him when he, you know, when they were learning together. But it also contains a lot of his own ideas. Uh, his own ideas. It's a, a kind of extensive work. Uh, it's a big. It's a big perush on on the Chumash. So let's look at uh, the, the beginning. There's something I would just like to uh, 
to, to get through but the ideas here are a little um, will take us too long to go through in depth but we'll see what he says you see the Shemi Shmuel B'nir E what? B'nir E the Hinei Shivat Shemot Ayulo Liyitro it seems that he had seven names Bukfar Amarnu Shizeh Neged Shiva Amidot Shafach Akol Litov you know is there a Midot right you know the Midot that we call them Sfirot Chesed, Gvura, Teferet, Netzachod, Yisod, Malchut right these Midot are the names that we give to the emanations from God into the world so that somehow if we get it if you get what's going on if you get the connection between God and and man so that connection can be described by those words chesed chesed loving kindness vura uh, might tiferet glory and all of these things are things that we can achieve we can aspire to them because that's how God got God into the world that's how the world became godly so he says in the second line shamidot Taudot ha-seichel. That first is seichel. Seichel is, uh, is something that God bestowed upon us. Is seichel. And seichel is divine. So from this seichel, this, this understanding, this intelligence, seichel is intelligence, right? Intelligence comes first. The Yadur b'kitvei ha-arizal. And the Arizal is the one who said, Right, the first three midot are Keter, Chochma, Bina. Keter, Chochma, Bina. Above Keter, Keter, there's the Ein Sof, or the Seichel. The Seichel, right, everything, everything comes down out of that. Rabbanim, the first three, and the last seven are called Bnei Banim. The Hainu, that the seichel changes the midot from their natural state. Ki ayar pera adam yulat. In other words, ayar is a is a wild uh, donkey. Uh, ayar pera, a wild donkey, is the way man is. In, in other words, everybody, every person. Every person has to be domesticated. They have to find a way to absorb. They have to find a way to absorb these ideas, right, into into themselves. So, ayar pera adam yulad ela shasechel ma'pecha kolitot. So through the sechel, you're able to turn everything inside of you to good. So in other words, what what Shemesh uh, Shmuel uh, is building on the Arizal, who said that goodness is not the default position in the human being. It's not like if you don't do anything, you're good. If you don't get to involved with anything, you'll be good. It's not that way. You have to fight to be good. You have to work to be good. That's what. That's what. Uh, uh, he says, Adua goyim." After all, uh, Bilam called Amalek Reshit goyim Amalek. The first one of the nations, the first of the nations is Amalek, right? Reshit goyim, 
It's even higher than the Svirot. Again, who is Amalek? It's Reishi, the first one. The first one is higher than these Midot. It's even above Keter. Right? It doesn't allow the Seichel to glide up these uh, these uh, features of human existence in the heart. So, what's Amalek? Well, Amalek is an unfinished product, according to the Shem Mishmuel. It's, it's the nation that was unable, because they reshit, they were by themselves. They lived alone. They, they, they were not able to temper their own personality to fit in with these spirit of Chesed, Gurat, Eferet, Neitzachot, Yisod, Malchut, so that the natural inclination to do good did not exist in Amalek. So that from the point of view of creation, from the point of view of creation, Amalek is a mistake. It, it, they, never, they never worked it out. It never became human in the sense that they were able to absorb the divine uh, uh, midot, these qualities that are called, that we call svirot, where we call them svirot. He says, uh, and then he goes on and says, and for Amolek, this is this lack of, of tempering covers uh, like um, like a an uh, 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 like a stone on the mouth of the well. It's just like the world sometimes is covers up things so that you don't you're not aware of the presence of God. Yitro After all, Yitro is from Kain. Kain is Kaini, right? That's Yitro. He's one of the Kaini. Midotav Mira Litov. So there is there is the uh, contribution of the Shemi Shmuel to our understanding of the parasha. We'll see if we can rephrase it in a way that makes a little bit more uh, that's more appeal to us, you know, as we sit here. He says, What is Amolek? Amolek is the victory of darkness or the lack of victory of light. Amolek was just unfinished. It was unfinished, and, and Yitro, who was universal in his nature, right, who tried to learn something from everybody, was also connected to Amalek. So Amalek, Amalek, according to the Shemesh world, was what prevented, what prevented Yitro from being, from coming to B'nai Israel. I mean, they just, Amalek was just there. It was just there in the, in hovering around. 
hovering around, since it was there hovering around, Yitro was, was, was influenced by them. But you can't say, everybody knows that we're influenced all the time by influencers. Right, we're influenced by people who, who tell us what to wear, and there's a, what kind of car to buy, and the people who tell us what to eat and what to drink. Right, they're like there's like a whole a whole uh, uh, economy of people who are who spend all their time telling me what I should do with my time, and and it's hard to say it's hard to say that this doesn't affect me, it doesn't influence me. So that again, if there are other religions in the world. In the other words, it's hard to say that they don't affect me, that they don't influence me, that I'm able to somehow on my own to protect myself from anything that that comes my way. So Yitra, Yitra who had an inordinate interest in religion and went and to investigate these things was unable to release himself from the grips of Amalek because Amalek, Amalek said you don't have to develop yourself you don't have to become the good person that you might be you don't have to follow the divine inclinations in this, in this regard you can be a bad person it, it, it's allowed it's, it's part of the way the world is created right? when the Navi Yemiyahu said he said how is it possible that the world that God created allows bad people to seem to be you know, happy and get away with, the, with whatever they're getting away with and the good people are often living miserable and unhappy unhappy lives. Now you could say whatever you want about that, but the Navi Yemiyahu, he asked the question. He asked the question, meaning he probably, before he asked it out loud, he probably thought about it a little bit. And he thought that there was a contradiction in essence. So along came Yitro, and Yitro said, Moshe Rabbeinu, he's a good guy, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, it makes sense to me. I want to join, but there has to be some way. I've got to resolve the issue of, of Amalek. So the Shem Mishmuel said, that's the war against Amalek. Amalek, because they were the, the pinnacle of, of Ra, of bad, they could not see anything good in Yitziat Mitzrayim. And so they came to fight against, against B'day Yisrael, and they were defeated. They were defeated, not totally defeated, but defeated for the moment, without a doubt. They were defeated for the moment. So having been defeated for the moment, Yitro somehow said, oh, now I understand. I can dislodge myself from Amalek. I can separate myself from that kind of thinking, and I could become, I could become part of, of, of Am Yisrael. You know, in Chassidut, in Chassidut, they... Uh, they say, you know, at the end, everybody's going to accept the Torah. Everybody will, will not, again, as I said before, not to do the mitzvot necessarily, but the ideas, the ideas in the Torah that God is in charge and created the world and, and that good things come from, from, uh, from God and that there's sacharva onish, all those things, even the non-Jews will all understand. They'll, they'll get the Torah. So you say, when are they going to get the Torah? I mean, they weren't around when the Torah was given. They said, no, they were around. Yitro represented all the nations of the world. 
with all of their strange ideas and all of their difficult positions, Yitra was there. So Yitra becomes the father of all those who are going to understand that the Torah is something special, even though they're not the acceptors of the Torah. Let's look a little bit more at this Shema Shmuel. Alkein lo lavo. This is um, three, six, the tenth line. The tenth line. Uh, no, the eighth line. Alkein lo lavo. Av shekvar yada mimoshe shaya holech b'shlichut Hashem yitbarach legolet Yisrael. Even though Moshe had already told Yitro before he left Midian that he was going to redeem B'nai Yisrael. V'haynu mishum shaita. He says, at, until that time, he only heard about it. Uh, you know, heard about it. it was like a rumor. It was external, external to him. The the not internal. This is similar to what the Zohar then says. How come Yitro heard and nobody else heard? So he said, uh, uh, one second. They, they all heard it, but they didn't connect to it. This last line, the highlighted line, the Kasher Nechlash Amalek, Zamu Veimo, the Vicherev, Husar. Hamasach Hamadil Bechlalu Befrat Vaita Ayecholet Liyitro Likera Sagur Libo Likera Sagur Libo Shetavo Bo Earat Earat Hasechel Latocha Kol Litova. So what the what the Shemish Shmuel is saying is is this the Milchama with Amalek was the main thing that brought Yitro to the camp of Yisrael because Amalek represented a kind of a, 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 a negative a negative in the world that the world could allow for, for uh, uh, an Amalek the world, could, the world could allow for that and when the people of Israel defeated Amalek in battle according to the shame of Shmuel that was something that was enlightening for, for Yitro he understood because he was prepared to understand you know understanding always comes to those who are prepared but doesn't come to those who are not prepared and the ones who are not prepared are the other nations the other nations of the world so that again according to the shame of Shmuel this comment by Rashi is a determining comment. 
and that more than Yitziat Mitzrayim, more than the plagues in Egypt, more than the Egyptians, more than the the, the, the fate of the Egyptians in Yamsuf, or even the fact that Bnei Yisrael were by Aminu Vashem and Moshe, though in spite of all of that, in spite of all those things that happened, there is no doubt that Melchemet Amalek is what brought uh, Yitro to Bnei Yisrael. It brought Yitro to Bnei Yisrael in such a complete manner, so completely, so totally, that Yitro became the, the kind of the author of the parasha in which Matan Torah is described. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, affected Matan Torah, but it was Yitro who really had the understanding that was necessary in order to receive the Torah, and then after receiving the Torah to reorient Moshe Rabbeinu himself into a more uh, into a more reasonable course, which would ensure that the uh, that the Torah would continue to be studied and learned. Okay. Okay. Have a good Shabbos.